Hey guys, this is Mr. Social Leads, and thank you for listening to the Quarantine Life Podcast. This podcast was created for you to help you adapt to all things COVID-19. Since we were unable to meet with our guest speakers, all conversations were recorded via Zoom. The audio and video of this podcast are not at the highest standards, but what I want you to do is challenge yourself to get past that point and listen to the conversation that takes place as I truly believe that it will help you during your time in quarantine. Thank you for tuning in. To all my listeners, welcome to a mini-series segment dedicated to the quarantine life. I'm your host, Mr. Social Aids, and since I'm practicing social distancing, we'll be speaking to Ryan Hankson via Zoom. He's best known as the curator of Eat Famous, which is one of Canada's most popular food-based accounts with over 275,000 followers on Instagram. He's a content creator, and most importantly, a father of a newborn, beautiful baby girl. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to do this. Awesome. So today we'll be discussing all things COVID-19, how it's affected us, what we've learned from it, and how we are going to be adapting to the changes. This is a perfect opportunity for everyone listening to get involved in the conversation, network with our guests, and at the same time, learn a few tips and tricks to adapt to the quarantine life. So I know I haven't really spoke to you much since all this started. How are you doing during this pandemic and how has COVID-19 really affected you? I'm doing good. Um, I'm healthy, the family's healthy, which is always gonna be first and foremost, I would assume for myself and everybody else. And mentally, uh, vibe-wise, spiritually, I'm, I'm doing much better than I would say a couple of weeks ago. I think it hit everybody hard Initially, a lot of people, especially with your proximity to whether it's, um, you know, wellness or if you've got family that are frontline workers or what have you, or if you've been like directly impacted, I mean, we've all been directly impacted, but I mean, like very close to home, um, <clears throat> you know, everyone's feeling it to a degree, but I I'm actually feeling oddly great. Um, it's something we'll probably touch a little later in, but uh as you mentioned, I'm a, a father, brand new baby girl. She's three and a half months old. And because I have to be home, I'm actually spending far more time with her than I normally would have gotten to. And I'm loving that. I almost have this weird feeling. I would liken it to like survivor's remorse because during what otherwise is really a, a terrible and very strange and challenging time, I'm, I almost feel guilty to say this. I'm, I'm having, at least personally within my home, I'm having a great time. So it's a very complex type of uh, situation, if that makes sense. You shouldn't even feel bad about saying that because I think um, this is the whole idea behind the podcast is highlighting all the amazing things that have come out of COVID-19. I think, um, and that was the whole reason I started this is to flip that conversation. It was to let people realize that there's actually a lot of benefits that have come out of this and if we really stop worrying about things that don't really matter you will actually realize that and that's something that you've just said is that you get to spend time with your newborn baby girl and it's crazy because if you were working now or like working your nine to five or if you were just doing your uh e-famous stuff like take there's a lot of time that's been taken away from that so being having the opportunity right now to spend the most i guess the most precious time like the moments right now with your daughter is just a blessing in itself and i think that might just trump all the silver linings that are, have come out of this but i definitely want to dig deep a little bit um so i know 
So I, I know who you are. People listening may not. It, I'm sure everyone that follows my account knows who you are, but let's just say there are some people out there that might not know you. You are the curator of Eat Famous, which is, we talked about it before and it was like, which started off as a food page. And now explain to everyone like what has happened with that account. Um, so Eat Famous is, uh, I guess number wise in terms of followers of a pretty large account uh, within the city and the country, I do have the benefit of having started it when it was definitely much easier to grow a, a strong base organically and authentically. I'm about seven years in on the account now. So pre pods and bots and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I got, I got, I guess, hard work paired with some luck and some good timing, was able to grow a really, really large following. It's allowed me to work very, very closely with a lot of the local restaurants in the city. Um, I guess something else we'll touch on because, you know, local restaurants are having a really, really tough time through this. It's allowed me to, to travel. I, uh, I create content for some of the biggest brands on the planet. We're talking McDonald's, uh, Raptors, American Express, Google. It's just become a hub for, uh, for food, for information, for media in Toronto. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I found my passion and I'm very, very blessed to be able to do so. That's awesome. I know I can speak from experience when I started this account. Um, so a little bit of background on myself too, and just so because I don't think a lot of people know this is that we were doing restaurant marketing before I had Mr. Social Eats. Um, we so initially we had an agency that was doing this stuff, uh, like restaurant marketing, and we were like, we need to build an, a hub to promote all this, all the restaurants we're working with. We need to have like a specific thing. So we came up with that. That's it was called I think it was like Social Eats and Treats, and basically what it was was our business was called social eats media and we we're like, let's build, just promote our restaurants there. It kind of, because I was focused so close in Brampton, Mississauga, where there was not too many bloggers when I, I think when I started is it started picking up quicker and quicker and quicker. And yeah. a lot of people now mistake the idea that I'm a food blogger when actually I'm a marketer who created a case study of Mr. Social Eats and built it to what it was. Um, so same with you essentially, but I'm not as global and high, level as you are but um what i was why i said this was i when we started this account we were always always looking like some ideas and we always say like you look at who's doing it good and add your twist to it and that's basically it for every industry and your account was one of the first accounts that we pulled up and was like this guy is killing it and again we've so a lot of this mr social eats has happened because of you so i never really said thank you for the inspiration but i thank you now so um, but talking about, I know we, you mentioned the restaurants, you're working with a lot of restaurants now, what's going on with the restaurants you're working with? How are you still being involved with them in any way? I know you have a platform. So, um, with having a platform, you know how they always say in Spider-Man, I know the quote was like, with great power comes great responsibility. What are you doing right now in terms of Eat Famous and just working with your local businesses? Uh, so first off, um, it was, uh, it was a weird time because the restaurants that I have the closest relationship with, you know, you're, you're definitely very vested in them and their success. These are relationships that have spanned a couple of years in a lot of cases. So it's beyond friendship. It's, it's family in a lot of cases. So just as 
I'm, you know, isolating here away from my mom, my dad, my sister, uh, my closest friends. I'm always checking in with them and I'm always concerned that I like need to know that they're doing well. And the same goes for a lot of the, the restaurants I was, uh, you know, close to and working with. So the first thing you want to know is that everybody's obviously physically okay. And then you also want to know that the business is going to survive. We're, we're in an unprecedented time that doesn't need to be said. And initially you really wonder, um, are people going to be able to withstand however long it's going to be that, you know, dining rooms are closed or uh, diners are scared to come out or staff may not be comfortable. So I think it took a couple of weeks for everybody to kind of just, um, you know, let everything soak in and devise plans. For me, I think an initial thought was like, are we going to, you know, do some things uh, for free, just out of goodwill? Will restaurants, uh, clients, will they even have budget to do things? Um, do our do our audiences get turned off by what would appear to be a sponsored or a paid ad? Initially, one of the first things I did was I made sure to contact um, whether I had a, a business relationship with a restaurant or not. If I just had a, a friendly um, previous experience with somebody down to a place that I might frequent, I reached out to a lot of them to make sure that they were still serving. And I would, I was just constantly, whether it was through stories or posts, uh, keeping my my base and my followers aware of who was opening, just let them know that there are dining options, what like what dining options were available, what the people that I work with closely are doing in order to keep uh, the public safe, to keep their staff staff safe. So that was a big thing, and then you know also. Uh, creators like yourself and other people who represented other restaurants or, you know, lined up with other causes were, you know, you, I'm sure you were like myself, you were getting a ton of DMs and a ton of messages about people just asking for some support, like awareness. So initially it was just about awareness, letting people know, um, you know, where they could still go get a meal, who was still open, uh, reminding people that we've got to support local. I mean, you know, you and I, we wouldn't be here in terms of what we were able to build if it wasn't for these restaurant spots. You wouldn't have an agency, you wouldn't have been a marketer if there were no restaurants to represent. I, I don't build Eat Famous if the that, that strong community of local independent restaurants doesn't exist. So having the public be aware uh, that people were still serving, um, that it was safe to, to dine with these people, that was the initial thing. And then that started to phase into, I would say, kind of, and it probably mirrored most people's natural progression in dealing with it. It went from, people were starting to kind of calm down a little bit, figure out plans. Things were a little bit more streamlined, and now we're highlighting um, changes in next steps. So, say for a place like uh, Rudy, that I, I post a lot about, or a Holy Chuck, or people I'm close with like Maker, um, you know, their, their, their new processes. So it wasn't just about, you know, the glorious, super indulgent photos that both you and I would post and share. The, you know, the content, it had to shift. The narrative had to be about, you know, what was happening. I mean, 
don't get me wrong, a great image and some fun stuff, they can serve as great distractions. But early in the trenches, like, we don't need to be wowing anybody. It wasn't about likes or getting someone to drool. Like, we needed to get hard information out. We needed to um, under, like, have people understand that although there's a business aspect to this, that, you know, we're, we're putting people first. And that, that was a sincere thing for me. Um, there's restaurants I, I work with that have already had to close locations, unfortunately, whether that's going to be permanently or, or, you know, temporarily. There's, there's spots that were getting set to open, uh, whether it was mid to late March to early April, that's been put on hold. Uh, you know, we look at the Tokyo hot situation where, um, you know, Jordan is a, is a tenant in a building and you know somebody else's situation impedes him and his location is kind of essentially taken away from him so people like that i was helping to kind of just drum up support and then there's a lot of things on the back ends too so it's not just that outward uh content creation you know you're pulling in all of your contacts you're talking to if somebody says oh my supplier's not shipping then you know i'm, I'm talking to other restaurants and saying hey does your supplier have you know room to take somebody else on so it was really just like treating it like if um, I had a family member or multiple family members being affected and pooling whatever resources I had to help them. Um, and then a lot of times, you know, that this is a very large problem. So one of the first things I did was uh, my good friends at Maker Pizza, I, I reached out to them and I said, hey, I just want to buy a couple people dinner. Uh, can I just like buy some dinners through you, you guys deliver or they pick up? And of course, being as incredible as they've always been, I know they're doing stuff like free pizzas for uh, for frontline workers. They said, "Right, we're not going to let you pay. We'll just we'll just do it. Just let us know how many dinners you want to give out, and we'll we'll do that." And I, that's the kind of thing I love because as many restaurants where the doors are closing or they're cutting staff, the people that still have the means, you're seeing that they're um, they're they're helping at a time when you you know you would think the instinct would be to to penny pinch and to save, and that you can't really do too much. People are showing extreme goodwill. So we ran a contest where we asked my followers to just nominate someone who, who you know, might have been having a hard time with this or just needed to smile, like not like we all didn't. And it, uh, it, it was crazy, man. I mean, the amount of submissions I got, it, it, obviously it trumped the number of uh, pizzas we were able to give away. But just reading the stories and knowing that people were stepping up to not necessarily nominate themselves. I mean, I did get a few touching stories from people who were explaining their situation, but 95% were people talking about others and wanting others to, to um, you know, be able to just kind of smile and see a good thing during this. So a uh, long, long answer to your, your simple question is, I feel like I, I, treat, I tried to treat it like, like family because the restaurant industry in the sea is very important to me. I think you nailed that. I think you said so many important things there and I'm try I was trying to write notes so I could touch base on that stuff quickly. But um, I think as I want to say as food bloggers, as influencers in the city, it's, I, I'm, it sounds so like serious, but it's like, it's our duty to help these places. Out. It is. It is. We wouldn't be who we are. We wouldn't create this amazing content that we do without the help with of these restaurants. And I think I've seen a lot of uh, food bloggers and just influencers in the city that have kind of just stopped doing stuff and um, slowed down on it. And this is the time where you need to go back into your archives and post about uh, 
the restaurants that you've been to in the last year create more content you have we've given we've been given so much more time that this is the best time to post more than once a day like i've i've actually increased my postings to about twice a day i'm on story posts all day but i'm like i said i'm here to help as many restaurants as i can during this time it's not about the money at this moment it's about really one building that relationship through your efforts and it's amazing how you said that it's not just about posting now it's about helping them connect them with the right people so I actually have an email list of restaurants and I deal with a lot of marketers I, my network is a bunch of marketers and a lot of them are running webinars and zoom calls and different stuff to help with restaurant owners and help with uh, retail businesses and how like just tips and tricks on how to survive during this COVID-19 I have a good relationship with restaurants Canada so I've been talking to them a lot and we've been working on some stuff they've been sending me uh links and just stuff that I can share with my my uh email list and what like whatever I can physically do while staying in my house I guess to really help out these restaurants i'm here to do that i know there was a recently a restaurant in mississauga they just opened up in december and uh january february you know as restaurants are always slow months and they're just january february you know march came and i was just kept getting worse and i was like yo like let me see what i could do and i've just been pushing it i'm glad to hear like they they got a little bit of buzz off what i've been doing but like again it's just small things like that just help out however we can i think now is a time for us to either post more and and just do more for those restaurants than sit back and just pretend like you did you weren't you were busy because i right now no one is as busy as they were pre-covid so um and the best thing and i hope the food bloggers i, I feel like a lot of our the community that's going to be watching this are in the food blogging space i hope people that are listening to this takes the message that we both just said and mostly ryan what he said and just do what you can with your local businesses that you work with. Um, there's so many bloggers, there's so many restaurants, and there's so much that needs to be done still to get these restaurants back to where they were. And keep in mind, again, like we said in the beginning, is without them, like, we wouldn't have a blog page. We wouldn't have an account. What Like, it all started because of these restaurants. So um, keep that in mind, and I think hopefully together as a joint effort, we'll get through this stuff. We're definitely going to get through it. And you don't, when history is telling the story about this, it's not just going to be like this virus happened, people stayed home. They're, it's going to tell the story about who helped, who cared, who was an asshole, who disappeared. And I'm not talking about taking a little bit of time in the process because I think I, I, through the first couple of days, like when it got serious for me, um, you probably know, like I'm, I'm a huge ball fan, a huge, huge Raptors basketball fan. So the, the day for me, and I'm not being facetious at all, the day for me that it got real, at least within the city, was the day when the, the league suspended play. Um, and not just because of that, but um, a, a couple of things I'll tell you about happened on that day within hearing that message. But I mean, it took me a couple of days to, to post, you know, um, some family stuff was going on. You don't know how bad it is. It, it goes from something that you're casually hearing about or reading about in the news to it being at your front door. And it seems like a movie that we've all seen a million times where like literally four or five people survive at the end. Like I'm watching Contagion and I'm doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing, but like, you know, it's, it's a heavy time. So people needing time to kind of process and figure out how to approach it is is totally 
understandable. But I mean, you know, we've been at it for a while. Things are starting to, I mean, unfortunately, the numbers aren't, aren't switching around, but I think people are able to process, have been able to process for a while. So there's definitely time for, for action now, right? Because as much as we want it to get to back to normal or get to whatever the new normal will be, we've got to spring into action to bring that about sooner. And um, aside from, you know, the measures of, of social distancing and being sanitary, like you said, folks like us who have responsibility platforms, voices, um, anything that we've got, we, we can use. You know what I mean? 100%. And I think, uh, like I said, it's just a joint effort. It's people like us that have to influence the other food bloggers to do these things. I've seen, I've seen a handful or even more than that, that have been doing it. But I think um, there's a lot that have just kind of quieted down. And is, I don't know if they're dealing with their own, everyone has their own stuff, but um, just as a blogger and just as a it, restaurant influencer, it's our time to really help them because restaurants are definitely at the top of the list of like businesses that are suffering right now. So, um, any restaurants that are re listen or listening to this definitely reach out to any of us because I guarantee you that both of us will be able to help you out. Um, what I wanted to ask you was so a lot of people now are at home, a lot of people yeah. are on their phones, mm -hmm. a lot of people are just scrolling through social media, just consuming. Okay. And you built an account from obviously zero followers to 275,000 plus followers. Obviously, there are tips and tricks and hacks and strat not hacks, but strategies that have helped you get to that. Um, I've been pushing this a lot on my platform that now is the best time to post. Now is the best time to create content. Now is the best time to just build that brand that you've always been wanting to, but you never had the time to. Um, what are some tips or strategies that you can give people that are either new to Instagram or just have never really taken it on as a brand or building a brand or building a business through social platforms? What are some stuff that you can kind of just shed light on them so that they can avoid the mistakes that we've all made when we started? Right. So um, <clears throat> a big thing for me is, is high quality content, whether that's, you know, the quality of of your image, the how interesting you can make a video or a story. I always tell people, if you're posting something, I know for me, I would think you probably do the same thing. I look at it like, if I saw this on my feed and I was not associated with it, would I like it? That's bare minimum. Just a like's easy, but it's not easy. You know what I'm saying? And then aside from that, if I really have something that needs to be impactful, especially if it's client work, not only um, would I like this, but before I post, would I, f would I send this to somebody? Would I forward it to somebody? Would I save it? Does it move me emotionally? Um, you know, like you, <sighs> it's a weird thing. Like there's a lot of like terrible accounts out there. And that's not to like, that's not to shit on anybody or anything like that. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm up here. Like my follower count is not reflective of me feeling like, you know, anybody that has less than me is, is not as good. That's not the truth. Uh, a lot of my favorite accounts have far less followers than I do. But sometimes somebody will, will hit me up and be like, oh, let's collaborate or follow for a follow. And I, I check everybody's account. The number doesn't matter. Like if you get at me, I will at least 
do you the service, or I should say myself the service of looking at what you're coming with. And I mean, I started with a terrible account. So I'm not saying that um, you have to be fantastic, but there has to be like potential and, and effort. I see a lot of like accounts where I'm just like, what, like, where do you think this would really go? And I mean, like, if you're asking yourself those tough, honest questions, would you really like it or just compare it? Like you said, when you, you referenced um, checking me out, like compare it to who you like. You know what I mean? Like really look at, um, is this something that moves people? Because like you said, we've got a lot of time right now and more people are on their phones than ever, but with that comes more competition than ever, right? So for like every one person that was going to start a new account, there's probably five now or 10 because everybody's got a little bit more time. So high quality content, don't post or, and I mean, there's a learning process and there's a lot of resources out there to get better. Um, but I, I'm not posting anything that would not get a like from me on someone else's feed. And I would hope that it causes me to take a further action than just a like. So that's, um, my my thought for a tip in terms of content because it's king um but just as equal is relationships and um i mean I've, i think a big part of my growth was because at first like i was i was taking terrible terrible photos um and posting them because i i think i was taking the best i could at the time but they they weren't great when i look back but um i i took an equal amount of time to build really, really strong relationships. Um, find people that you can tell are taking it seriously. Um, you know, reach out to to people that you that you respect, that you might idolize, that you think are killing it. I mean, people with a lot of followers, they get a lot of messages. It may be tougher for them to respond, but we live in a time where technically, um, you can reach out to anybody on the world, in the world, I should say, like. You know, I, I could shoot. I could shoot my shot with Rihanna. Not that I would. I'm married, but you know what I mean. Like technically, I could do it, right? Like you could tag anybody. You can DM anybody for the most part, right? So reach out. People love to be seen as subject matter experts. People love to answer questions. People that take what they do really seriously and they do well at it, they generally, that's why like players usually become coaches or analysts. Like people like to continue in the world of teaching once they've mastered something. So, you know, reach out and have like genuine interaction with people, especially at a time right now where sensitivities, emotions are running high. Like, um, you know, a lot of times we didn't have time to really get into deep conversation with people or you know sometimes you follow so many people you want to comment back to everybody who you really like and it's quick or it's maybe just an emoji but you know what that kind of stuff it reads through it's not as authentic it's not special I'd rather spend my time dropping three comments that are questions that are inquisitive that send back some positive vibes than doing 20 like hearts you know what I mean because what, what's that really really saying and sometimes I mean yeah that's that's all you are compelled to do but if you're building relationships and I mean especially someone who's going to be reached out to a lot it's going to take a lot to get their attention like I'm sure your DM box gets full so for you to kind of go through and if you don't recognize the name you know you're probably going to only give that message a quick glance you might you know skate over to their account really really quickly and if you're not, your eyes not caught or your attention's not caught quickly you're probably gone you're not going to remember it so um like I said, high quality con 
content and like genuine and I really mean genuine. Like if you've got to go through my post and not, don't be fake. Don't be like scroll through and find something and then be like, Oh, I like the Raptors too. But seriously, like show me that, like, um, you know, that you, there's a real reason why you're reaching out to me beyond the number. I think, yo, that's content. I always say that too. Content is King. And you kept, you mentioned high quality content, which is obviously important. And um, just so, people are aware i think a lot of people make excuses because they're like oh remember we were talking about that podcast and we're like i don't have the right equipment i don't have this i don't have that that's why i can't have high quality this this but if just to confirm you what do you use to take these photos uh, i use a google pixel 2 <laughs> not a 3 not a 4 essentially you use a cell phone to take these amazing pictures so when you say high quality it's just getting the right angles or it's just getting the right the nice lighting the natural lighting so it doesn't for anyone listening it doesn't mean that it's high quality means expensive equipment or whatever it is that you need to create this it's things that you can just do with zero dollars like you don't need money to increase that quality everyone has a cell phone and um with that there you could do so much right i think it's just like you said, there's so many resources out there. There's so many things that you can learn every single day. I'm watching videos or I'm watching pictures or I'm really just finding new bloggers and things like that that are doing cool things in their, in their industry. And you just learn and apply to that. I like what you said about building relationships because that's huge. And I think that is something that is big in every industry. It's not just our building brands online, but building brands online is where I wanted to kind of take this is because a lot of people, think, oh, because I'm behind a phone, like I can just send them a quick message and ask them. And uh, I know you, you probably get this so much more than me. So I feel funny even talking about these things because you're experiencing it on another level. And I know I've always in the past, I've asked you stuff in the past as well, but I get people that always contact me and just ask me for things and ask this and this and this. And it's like, Hey, like, and, and again, the best thing is I always try to be as nice as possible. I'm not here I didn't start this account to be a dick. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not going to let my following get into my head and things like that. But there also is that whole thing about building a relationship. Like ask me how I'm doing or just comment on the last post I made before you come into my DMS and be like, Hey, can you do this for me? Or can you post that for me? There's a big trade off. And I think, and again, and we, I, I see a lot of people on the reverse side saying, oh, bloggers think they're the top of, like, they're, they're celebrities and that they do that. And I see that all the time. And they think without us, like, we're not going to, you're no one, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's a trade-off. And like you said, it's building a relationship. We both offer value in different sides, right? So whatever that is, whether it's a collaboration or just, again, like how you said that people message you say follow for follow, like, and I tell people this all the time, Instagram DMs are the number one spot to build relationships. And you said it yourself and you said it spot on about just DMing who you have the potential to DM anyone you want. Like you use Rihanna, I was going to use Drake, but like same idea. Like and there's a possibility these guys can see it. So really just adding value. Like I'm sure if I went to Drake and I sent him a, like a beat over me saying, I love you, Drake. Like I'm, there's a higher chance he's going to respond to that. So, and that's why is that is because I added value in my message. So anyone listening to this, that is building a brand, th the best way to grow your brand quickly is to network with the right people, build a community in your industry and just start building actual genuine relationships and not just heart emojis or fire emojis or heart, like uh, the love struck emojis actually dig deep and, 
it takes 10 seconds to write a genuine comment or answer a question that someone's asking in a post. Um, one thing I tell people all the time, and it's like, and, and I'm kind of quoting the Bible on this part, but it's like, do unto others what you want done to yourself. And that apply that to social media, apply that to the idea that you want people to comment on your stuff. So what does that mean? You should do the same thing back. It does not matter if you have a thousand followers or 50,000 or 200,000. It's you, if you want something, you have to do it back. And I learned the hard way too was, um, so I personally, I don't know about you, but I really don't like going to um, uh, media tastings, like group media tastings. And something I, I start, I did once upon a time and I just prefer being alone with my group of people and doing my thing. Um, I found that it's just not to dig deep into it, but I found that we were all the pictures are coming out alike because everyone was hitting that one angle. So I, I, I slowed down on that stuff. But by slowing down on that, the wrong thing was I stopped connecting with those people. Instead, like slowing down is one thing, but connecting with them, even online, just engaging with their stuff, that's something I didn't do. So I noticed that my influencer community kind of fell off because I didn't have that support I did. So there's ways to still do that while keeping your distance or doing your own stuff. And I would love to hear your ideas on that. Cause I know you, I, I can only imagine how many people invite you to media tastings and invite you to come out to their business. And what's your thoughts? Yeah. So early on, um, I used to go to a lot of tastings. We're talking four or five times, six a week sometimes sometimes doubles and i mean initially you know it's it's the stars in your eyes like you're just like wow like my, i've built something in terms of re referencing my account that people like enough to see the value in having me come in so at first you know it's just you're hit and kind of awestruck by the fact that somebody wants you there and we love food well you should if you have a food-based account so you're getting to go to spots that you might not necessarily get to go to um you know to have these these unique experiences one-on-ones with the chefs access to the kitchen uh, having like-minded people there with you so at first i was there a lot and definitely built up a lot of uh, great relationships some friendships that have lasted to this day that have extended outside of the realm of that but again you actually mirrored something that i personally experienced too is when I started to pull away from it was everybody was getting, it was almost like a cattle call because it was a weird, like I referenced the fact that I, I started very early in this. So I went from when restaurants and chefs, they were kind of leery about influencers, to be honest, and not everybody was comfortable. They didn't really see the value, almost seen as an intrusion if you didn't handle things the right way to the point where, you know, there was comfort and then it like zooms to the point where like PR agencies are having all the top influencers come in because their clients understand the necessity or at least the value and then everybody's there and you're jockeying for position and like you're shooting over food cold cold food and also a big thing like you said is everyone was taking the same shots of the same thing so i i definitely scaled back i mean also too i've got a i've got a family so, you know, you don't want to spend all of your time. It, it's a funny thing because, you know, you're advancing, you're progressing, you're, you're making some money and you're making headway, but you always got to remember what you work hard for. It's, you know, and that, like, there's nothing like time. And it's a funny thing how we're getting taught that now. We're, we're getting taught that with restrictions. So we're getting a lot of time, but it's kind of, you know, cemented in a weird way. So I pulled back for a multitude of reasons, but I think I had went to so many or become 
at least well enough established with like some core relationships that it didn't suffer as much but i will definitely admit that yeah you did see a little bit of a decline it's kind of like a rapper who doesn't do features right like um you know i could be super super dope and you know people might love me but just my core because i don't know say like i don't know i'll use a, like okay people that like love drake you know may not have got onto kendrick on their own you know if he didn't feature him and kendrick's one of the dopest we've ever seen but like you know you you increase the chance of um you know broadening your your audience and your appeal so going to events and you know meeting other people um you know definitely definitely helps but i i i'm very much like you i i prefer kind of having you know a more intimate experience with the people that i'm comfortable with and just being able to kind of navigate through especially if it's um an event where you're not just like tasting but you're expected to to create some content and then you know you want to be a little bit more in your zone and and freer and more comfortable so i could see how it could backfire a little bit but it i know man it was at a point where like you know you get invited to something you could be out every day a couple times and i know people that still do it hats off to them I'm not judging at all, um, but it, it's definitely a lot. It's definitely, so now for me, usually if I get an invite to like a large event and it has nothing to do with, um, you know, thinking I'm bigger, better than anybody, but I generally will ask if there's an opportunity to maybe just come in solo or at a at a different time. And I'll, I'll explain the reasons why too. And, you know, I think that kind of leads into another thing too it's really just you and i had a discussion and it's about it's not necessarily like what you're saying it's how you say it right because with that i'm not trying i don't think i'd ever come off like snobby or i'm above eating with other influencers or anything like that but i'm explaining to them that they'll probably get higher value content from me if i'm allowed to do it in a smaller group or alone so i think the manner in which we explain things is is a lot more important than um what we're actually you know trying to say yeah i think you know the, so same idea and, and i there's a, a bunch of good stuff you said again and the one thing just to summarize something is it it sounded like we we're like don't go to don't go to these events and oh, no. there i think that's what helped grow my account faster as fast as i did um and the cool thing was like it's collaborations are key and it's mm -hmm. And I say this all the time. It's like the three C's is consistency, it's content and it's collaborations. And I think those three, uh, a joint effort of those three things will help you build your account with, in terms of what I did now, just to apply it more uh, personal was I was like, you know, like, I don't like going to these events and it's not wrong. The people were amazing. All that. I just felt, like I said, my quality wasn't there. I felt like everyone was getting the same shots. There was nothing authentic about me because it was all the same things. So I same idea is where I tell people, I'm like, Hey, like, unfortunately, like I won't be able to make that event, but is there another day I can go with my group of people? We actually built an accounts for the people that came. So I was going as Mr. Social Elites and I would bring two, three friends. My friends were coming with me so much that they were like, we're going to build accounts too off your brand where we came up with social, uh, social saga, social Brampton. We came up with Bram Saga foodie, uh, Miss Social Elites. So now we have a group of five of us that go to all these restaurants. And if some of them can go, we'll bring another friend and they'll just use that account for the day. So we built a community of bloggers between my friends and people I got. How I 
took that networking aspect now to it is like I said, I'm in the marketing industry. Um, I'm in, I have a big a network of marketers, I have a big network of entrepreneurs. So I actually invite those guys out to dinners and stuff like that, or to tastings. And we have conversations there while I'm creating content. So I'm killing two birds with one stone. So, and I love the thing you said about uh, relationships too. I think build, just building relationships with people will help you get to where you want to get. I think anyone that's starting a brand right now needs to figure out where they want to take this and how they want to run this brand. Like, do they want to be a brand that's strictly online where they don't have to go places or do they want to go actually to spots and try different things out and whatever it is, it doesn't have to be food. Um, building those relationships, relationships will help you. So like, um, becoming friends or just building a relationship with Ryan, for instance, like for yourself, um, you will, and, and I know you're the type of guy that's here to help. So if someone has a question to ask you, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you DM eat famous or Rye Hanks on Instagram, he will respond with an answer that will help you out. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that want to help. And you had said it before too, is there's a lot of experienced people that have, that want to teach now and how you made, the um the example of players becoming coaches the same thing with us really like i'm at a point now where i'm like hey i would like to create a workshop and teach people social media skills and this 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 so a lot of us out there that don't be afraid of these big accounts and stuff i think those are the best accounts to reach out to one because they're there they've done it they've experienced it and they just understand what to do so helping with that like asking them that stuff, they'll help you for sure. I'm just going to say like, we have like, we have like well-known accounts, large accounts, but at the end of the day, like we're, we're people like, I, I'm not like some rock star or actor or so like we have, um, you know, like a large base on Instagram and we're f- the face of our accounts, not all food accounts have the creators, you know, being the face of it. So we are, but I mean, especially in, in this space, like a creative space, whether it's lifestyle or, or food, whatever, uh, personal health, like for the, for the most part, it's regular people. Like I, I know a couple of people who have like some swollen heads off of having a lot of followers, but for the most part, you're getting like real dudes, real girls. Like, so I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm not answering this person because people like we're in the business of having people buy into what we're doing. So only a clown or someone that's extremely, extremely busy isn't going to reply. Or maybe someone that forgot kind of where they came from, you know, but your, your chances of having somebody, especially in this, in this type of space where it's someone who's created their own, their own brand and business um, and wasn't made um, by like a, a machine, like someone in Hollywood, I, I, I couldn't see why you, someone would have, tough luck and maybe not everyone's gonna i don't get back to everybody the same day right like but i will get back you know and and also too like one of your c's consistency i'm not saying that you've got to send me 10 messages for me to acknowledge you but you know you might have to message 20 people who you think are really 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 dope and maybe you get 10 back maybe you get five but i mean um you know don't let that deter you right because the people that get back obviously those are the ones that we're supposed to get back. Yeah. Uh, just speaking about consistency quickly is um, now is the best time to be consistent. We have, like you mm-hmm. said, you, and you brought up the time thing, which I'm going to have some questions on that too, but we have so much time. So consistency should not be a problem right now. I think consistency is something 
we have the time, so it's easy to be consistent. And this is the best time that it is to to be consistent because of the amount of people that are consuming social media right now. Speaking about time, though, I know that you you have a nine to five besides the e famous um, stuff, and now that you are, are you, I guess you are home right now, right? I'm working from home. So yeah. What are you doing with all this extra time? I know one thing is, again, I'll say this too, is like you're hanging out with your daughter. I know you mentioned that. Um, yeah. Besides like the family life and just hanging out and enjoying that, uh, what else are you doing right now? Maybe like behind the scenes of eFamous or just what's next for you? Well, how are you using the time you have now to really um, pivot through to the next once COVID is done, post-COVID? Right. So I know a lot of people like say my wife, for instance, she's learning a new language. I know people that never worked out before and they're starting to work out. For me, I had a massive to-do list that runs months back. So for me, what I'm doing is I'm going back to that, that, that list and knocking those kind of things that I would delay because they were important, but not pressing off pitch decks, um, you know, people that I've wanted to work with, companies that I feel like, because that was one thing I've, I've, I've been very, very fortunate to work with um, brands that I had supported and kind of uh, try to model my business practices after for, you know, I've been lucky to work with some and, but I've never really pitched. I've never like um, pitched restaurants or pitched brands. And I think that was because I got really, really busy quickly. And a lot of times when I see brands that are just like dream brands to work with, or restaurants that I feel like there'd be synergies between us, I haven't had the time to like properly approach them or put something together. So I'm definitely putting together pitch decks for people that I feel like we would be a match. So that's happening. Then the just housekeeping type things for Eat Famous, like, um, you know, things that would make me more efficient. Like I get a lot of restaurant invites, like we spoke about. And a lot of times, you know, setting up, I mean, not that you'd be going to restaurants now, but uh, that's a horrible, horrible example. But I mean, like, just like, there's times where I'm like, oh, you should build a specific calendar for specific things. Um, I'm really kind of just going back to old to-dos and clearing those off. And um, also a lot of thinking about what's next and how to not COVID proof, but shift proof my businesses and my processes, if that makes sense. Like I said, I, I have a couple um, restaurants I work with and clients that have closed locations, people that have delayed openings that we were supposed to do some work with and nothing is impenetrable. I mean, I mean you know, but say, look at the banks, for instance, right? They're still going to turn, unless the government steps in and says, you've got to lower, you know, rates on credit cards or what have you, they're going to still you know, report billion dollar profits. Like there's going to be certain businesses that not because of their product, but because of like their nature will are impenetrable by these kind of things. How do I figure out how to create systems and put things in place so that whether, whether it's COVID or say uh, the platform that I do very well on Instagram, say dies, say TikTok just like crushes the gram say like people aren't messing with it anymore or say there's a government restriction on it. Say my account gets hacked and I can't get it back. Like how do I take what I'm good at on a platform that I don't own and move it over so that it's intangible and tangible at the same time. 
I know that's an oxymoron, but I, I think you know what I mean. Like, um, I made this analogy before and I, I loved it so much that um, I'm going to drop it again. And it's another basketball kind of reference. Like, say, like, say, like, right now, the NBA didn't come back, right? But say the government cleared everybody for being able to go back outside, but the NBA just didn't recoup. Say there was some bad money handling and they couldn't come back. Basketball wouldn't die. Somebody with the means or a group of people with the means would get together, build a league, because we're not talking about the talent dying or going, dying is a terrible word to reference, but I mean, like, you know, like Braun's still there and Kawhi's still there and AD's still there and the players are still there. So the pieces you need are still there, right? The NBA could collapse, but somebody could step in and fill those shoes. So say Instagram left, because that was a big thing. People were like, okay, you've done so much on a platform that A, you don't own, that B, is susceptible to, you know, cultural waves. And if it's not the move anymore, it's not the thing and it goes away, then what do you do? I used to panic about that. Definitely. I, I, I was like, oh, sh like, what do I do? I don't have every email address for every follower. But Instagram is about um, sharing, creators sharing, and it's also about like social validation and emotions. Those things are not physical. You can't put those in a box and sell them. So something else will come up that services those needs. Or maybe I figure out how to develop something else that services those needs. So all I've really been good at is creating content and um, playing into emotion, right? The platform, although it's been great to me, is inconsequential. But how do you figure out how to move your intellectual properties, I guess, with you to the next thing? So that's another thing I'm doing. Aside from actually kind of doing things, um, I'm trying to think about like fluidity, I guess, is probably a a good way to describe it because like this COVID thing came in and shook up everything. I know a lot of people that really good friends, smart people, um, you know, people that are caring and thoughtful who early on the onset, whether it was, you know, they were part of, Oh, it's a conspiracy or, Oh, it's not that serious. Um, but I remember, uh, and again, back to the basketball thing with me, but the night when the, uh, the NBA postponed or suspended the season, I remember I was like, this is serious because when multi-billion dollar businesses halt, something's up. And I don't care. I'm not going to get into any wild conspiracy theories or anything on here, but whether it's just a natural virus or it was planted or the government did whatever, it's affecting big money. And we know that although it's not what matters, we know that's what pushes things. So when you see like people who are, stand to make a lot of money every day are freezing things, you better pay attention. Right. So um, we're, we're, we're all very, very susceptible. And that's not like talking about living in fear or panic, but it's where do you, where do you stock like what really matters? I, I'm not talking toilet paper and sanitizer, but like, where do you really, really, because I know everybody's like, oh, summer's going to be lit when we get back, or I'm going to appreciate every coffee that I have with a friend and every hug. But I like for real, like I hope people do. I was always a very gracious I feel like I was a gracious person. Like gratitude was a big thing for me. And I think aside from like you doing dope work, that was something I noticed with you that I really liked is that gratitude seems to be kind of like at the forefront of what, what drives you. I've seen it on like your stories and other things that you've put out there. Um, and that's a big thing for me. So I know I'll leave this being even more grateful, but I really hope that like collect, because after the second world war was done, I, I don't know what the term was, but it was like, I think it was like called post-war euphoria where 
everybody was like on cloud nine, people are hugging strangers and people were like for a couple of weeks, everybody was just happy to see everybody and would willingly do anything for anyone. And then it died. It, it kind of went back to, you know, I'm taking care of mine or this, that. I really hope that after this, that everything that we claim that we really value because we almost lost and appreciate, I really hope that we hold on to that. So as much like um, habit, you know, habit creating or habit, habits I'm trying to put together or get better at, I'm also really trying to do a lot of like mental work in terms of not only being prepared for something like that, but just, you know, kind of like doing checks and balances or on the things that really, really matter. And you said so many things again that I'm like, I'm just like, I remember I was telling you before too about the audio on this, like one person can speak at a time. And I'm just there, I'm like, yes, yeah. I'm like, ooh, I'm writing these things down. I'm like, this all, I'm like, when you say conspiracy theories, I just got a little excited because I'm all about that stuff. And I, I don't want to dive deep into that today because I'm telling you, we can go on forever with conspiracy theories. Um, I like what you said about the platform that you don't own and to just kind of diversify yourself and do whatever you can. So for me, for instance, and these are, I like to always give takeaways for people so that they can apply this to what they're doing as well Is I've created email lists. I've created that. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw that fan saves app that I promote. So I have, I'm kind of converting my followers onto apps and stuff that I can actually have like, full control over. Um, I'm just trying to get it out off Instagram essentially because the last thing you want is to build a business on Instagram and you said it, the trend dies out or let's say Instagram goes bankrupt and closes like for instance, Vine, perfect example. And if you don't learn from history, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a big thing. And especially now with COVID-19 and all the stuff that's happening with it, it's, there's, and you were just talking about adapting and moving forward past like post COVID-19, like this is the same example as like this is we need to learn how one either our business or our lives got affected and make sure that is it that doesn't happen again or that isn't a opportunity to feel how we did during this time there's that quote always where it's like fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me and um for if this and this is not like i'm sure something like this will happen again in our lifetime and this I hope this is a awakening call for a lot of people to understand that one no matter what happens like there's things that are uncontrollable and we can't control the situations for instance having a nine-to-five job I'm pretty sure a lot of people are like I have job security and I can I don't have to worry about this and this because my job will never fire me but now it's not your job's fault like you're it's things that you have no control over so one thing I've learned huge is one, have an emergency fund or have something to be able to um, help you during these times. Uh, financials, I hope a lot of people invest in more financial knowledge and just understand that there's more ways to make more than one income. I'm not saying you need to get another job, but investing or just learning how to save really. Um, yeah, I think there's just so much, again, people can learn from this. And I think that um, this is a perfect opportunity. Hopefully even in this podcast, I hope people that are listening are taking notes on these things because there's a lot that you could learn from both of us and from the conversations we just had. Um, so I know we were just talking about adapting and you moving forward, but what are some things like if you actually had to give like takeaways or just a contextual thing where it's like, 
what have you learned and moving forward like how are you going to change the way you do things so and I, I want to speak a little bit of you famous on this part where it's like what has how what affected you famous and now what are you going to do moving forward and just like how we spoke right so i mean first off i'm not you know it's funny we talked about not wanting to go to restaurants as much for tastings and i i would die to be able to, to say yes to a tasting and go like right now so you know appreciation for what we've got um you know sometimes like those, those same invites that were gold to me after a while they became redundant or i was like oh you know, and you slack and you maybe don't answer right away. So appreciation, um, number one. But uh, yeah, with the, I mean, so with you famous, I'm not, I don't have the ability to, uh, to physically go to spots. Now, I mean, there are still places that are doing delivery and pickup. But I mean, I actually don't live in the downtown core where most of the restaurants I deal with are located. My wife has a, a pre-existing heart condition, so that limits how much I actually am comfortable going outside because she's at high risk for it. So, um, you know, I, I'm not getting out as much. I'm actually relying on friends and family to drop off treats. I don't know if you can see this, but my sister, shout to her, she brought me some Descendant today. But um, yeah, like my spots that I would normally you know, frequent, I, I can't get there. So there's, I, you had spoken to it earlier. I'm, I'm repurposing some older content. Um, I, I take a lot of photos when I'm out there and I, I thankfully I have a vault of stuff that hasn't been used. I feel is high quality stuff. So I, it's still a business as usual type approach. Whereas, um, you know, for some people, they could be completely out of content, I've still got enough to kind of float me and still have interesting things and relevant things. Um, but for that, I mean, you know, we're looking at potentially, you know, the talk is July, right? At best that, you know, things kind of normalize and we can get back out there. But when we get back out there, you know, will every restaurant be there, right? So that's one. Um, Will the PR companies who do, who depend on promoting these restaurants, have they been dropped yet? Like, w will people have to, you know, really, sh and we know restaurant margins are already like razor thin. They're like this. Are there going to be promotional budgets? Like, can they afford to not only like, you know, pay for, for content or have people come in? Um, you know, we're, we're not certain what, what it looks like. So a, a, the biggest thing I've, and I don't know about you, but like post uh, algorithm change and likes being taken away, I, I, I plateaued. So uh, I went from years of steady growth on Eat Famous in terms of followers and engagement to a stiff plateau to even, I would say about a year back where there was actually dip, like a loss, like some days I'd get my analytics and I lost more than I gained. Um, recently, uh, I would say over the last couple of weeks, lining up with the, with the advent of what's going on now, I've been gaining a lot more followers. I don't know if that's something that a lot of creators are seeing across the board. I don't know if that's just a trend. I don't know if that just means more people are, um, you know, just on or need a distraction. But I, I can say that I've definitely um, made like big efforts to personalize my content. So although, I mean, I was a very 
big presence on uh, stories and, you know, talking to, to, to cooks and restaurant owners and uh, even patrons and being out and very visible in the story. I, I would do a lot of interactions. I mean, I don't have that opportunity now, but on my posts, I, I feel like my last few posts, I'm really trying to engage people. So I'm, I'm asking a lot of open-ended questions. I'm putting a lot of thought into uh, captions and dialogue that will you know, pull things out of people. Um, I'm trying to spark debates. I'm I'm making certain to like reply in depth, which was already a practice of mine to like every comment, but really going at it. And I've noticed that it's uh, I've been trending up again. Would I would I rather be trending up at a, a happy, more normal time? Of course, but I think people are appreciating. Um, a more kind of direct and intimate and sensitive approach that I've been taking. And I mean, I'm still posting wings and burgers and fries. Like it's, it's not that, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm letting, you know, being a little tongue in cheek sometimes I, yesterday and I freaked out my, uh, <laughs> a friend of mine who owns uh, a, a, a pizza place. Cause my caption was, if the government said that pizza restaurants had to close tomorrow, a which, pizza place are you ordering from and what's on your pizza so I'm, I'm trying to get people to think like if you had one pizza left you know let me know who you're getting it from so then that gets people tagging restaurants that gets the restaurants thanking them and going back and people saying nah you need to get it from this place and then you know people talking about like their perfect pizza so you know you just want to be able to um you you understand that like and it's, it's, I'm not trying to make this bigger than it is because it is at the end of the day, just Instagram. But if you're interacting with someone and you're, you're a part of their day and a part of their experience, like make it be special, even if it's for the 45 seconds that they're, they're taking to think about and answer what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, I think you should make it bigger than what it is because it is. Um, I think right now, I, and I've, I've told a lot of like the entrepreneurs that I deal with, I told a lot of the marketers, and just business owners that I'm in, that are in my circle. I'm like you, and you said it, you said, um, I think it was the term you used was penny pinch. And, mm -hmm. I, said, and I was telling them like, this is not the time to really um, focus on making money. Like I understand it's a scary time, but you need to go online and build relationships with people. People don't want to be sold things right now. People want to have someone to lean on. People want someone they people want to have someone to keep them busy and occupied. Um, and I was telling restaurants and like get like and a lot of the pizza places too that should be doing this if they haven't already is um, the our local one that I work with is Tanino's and he started a do-it-yourself pizza kit. And that okay. was, um, so people, and that thing, he had to actually stop the, or hold off the orders. And there was a two hour wait to get those boxes because mm -hmm. people, the problem right now is people are at home. They have extra mouths to feed because of their kids or mm -hmm. whoever it is. There's just more uh, food need at home. And the thing is they're bored. So now how do you solve that problem about them being bored and them being hungry and so if restaurants can really figure out a way to answer both of those questions, I can guarantee you that during this time, they will benefit of anything out of it. But as an influencer right now, and, and just not just for us, but everyone listening too, is people are 
you've built a, like you we've built a followings and people listen to us people trust us people like us now is a perfect time for us to really just be there for them and like you said just be diving into more depth and conversations and just checking in on people that you know live alone or extroverts that need that attention and stuff like that it's just being there for people and having someone to lean on and i think a lot of people now are and I tell them, I'm just, I'm like, add value to people's lives. This is that moment where you just need to add value. And again, going back to why I started this podcast, I wanted to shed light on things happening with COVID-19. For instance, like, and I said this before, is everyone on my podcast that I've got, every single guest, I got them on for a reason. And that reason was that I didn't have to, I don't have to worry about the people that are on my podcast. Why? Because I know that they will adapt to the situation. They'll learn from it and make the best out of it. And we started this conversation with you saying, I don't want to sound like weird and all, but I, it's, I'm grateful for this. And I've, you, I appreciate this. And you understand that when we got more time, you get to spend more time with your daughter. There's so many benefits to this. So just to really sum that up, it's like, it's, it's, it is a weird time. People are fearful, but like lean on your friends, lean on your family, lean on your community, lean on someone that you know um, can help you out during this time. And if you're that influencer, if you're that person that is the one that has that influence, you should really reach out, ask your audience more questions. Um, put out those vulnerable posts. Um, a lot of my content now has been, I'm still like, like you, I'm still posting that food, those cheesy pictures and whatever the savory foods. But if you actually look at the context that I'm talking about, I'm always talking about either some kind of tip for COVID-19 or something to really not just grab their attention. Cause it's not about that, but it's about just getting them a little more, um, having that comfort. Um, I think, People are not going to be like, oh my God, look at this. I need this right now. At this point, they need someone to, something to relate to and something to understand. So any content creators right now that are listening to this, anyone that's building a brand, like really understand the situation we're in and create stuff around that. And I have, these are just before I, I, we jump to our final thoughts and stuff. I have some fun questions for you just, and these are totally on the top of my head, which I was thinking about during this whole episode is, if you had to say your favorite part about Eat Famous, what would that be? There's so many great, great things. I mean, if we're talking about development, like it's made me more confident. Um, you know, I've been on television a couple of times, situations that would have terrified me before. I welcome, you know, I've uh, sat on panels. I've led talks with uh, high school students, which is probably the scariest audience <laughs> that you can ever face because, um, yeah, nobody's cool to anybody in high school, no matter like how many followers you have or whatever. I think the my favorite part or the most rewarding part about Eat Famous, there's two things. It's provided me with like a wealth of um, opportunity and unique experiences. And I've been able to take it to a level where I'm able to like share it with those closest to me. Like my family and friends are completely like a, a part of what I do and they get to reap some of the, the benefits of that. So I, I love that. But I think 
travel would be the number one thing. A big influence, and this might sound sound cliche, but I mean, I, I was a fan, you know, before Eat Famous really took off or before it was known that we could do what we do and generate income or have anybody even care in regards to it being on social media. But like, I'm like a huge Anthony Bourdain guy. And I think why people connected with him was it wasn't just like a show where he was like just, you know, taking like these super fancy vacations and only eating in the best restaurants or whatever, but like he was connecting with people. And like I've had the opportunity to, you know, get paid to work on vacation and experience other cultures uh, because of something I built. Uh, I've been to, to Spain, to France, Italy, California, Barbados. I had trips that were booked that probably postponed or canceled now. And like also uh, like dream locations. Like I, I was uh, asked to go to, to Bali. So to be able to kind of do that and, and connect with people and not saying that like would be even be close to doing it justice, but like kind of get to walk in one of like my hero's footsteps and one of the people that influenced how I interacted with people when I started doing this. Uh, I think the travel aspect is, is cool because there's no education like travel, right? So to be able to, to learn more. And I mean, ironically now, you know, we're in the midst, I think everybody's blown back by this, not just because it's happening at home, but it's like happening globally. Like, you know, it's a global pandemic. Um, and things that like unite the world, they can be good or they can be bad like this, you know? So to, to know that I, I, I can be thinking about people that I've met on my travels, whether they're people from those locations or people I traveled with, and to know that like this expanded like my worldview and, and things that will, memories and experiences that'll stay with me forever. I think the travel part, because of the connection to uh, an idol of mine and what it's allowed me has probably been my my absolute favorite favorite thing. Cause you wouldn't like, I, I went from people looking at me like I had 10 heads for taking a photo of food because that used to be frowned upon. It used to be like weird or just ups, like, you know, an oddball for doing that before. And now you, you sit down in a restaurant and you might see a family of four and like the parents and the kids, everyone's whipping out their phone to do it. So actually, you know, sorry, that's my answer, but also too, I think to be part of a big part of culture that didn't exist before I was one of the people that started doing it, it's probably the biggest reward, to be honest. Yeah. Because like, I, I didn't start influencing or start Instagram or whatever, but I, you know, I, I was successful at it early. So to be part of like uh, something that, you know, people are doing all over the world early, that's pretty dope too. No, for sure. And it's so funny, before you said the culture thing, I'm just like, you changed the culture. Like, that's what I was thinking in my head. Yeah, like we all did, right? We really, really did. So it's exciting and that's exciting things. And I think um, just going to my experience too, I think the biggest thing is um, it's built, helped me build relationships. It's helped me just ha gain experiences that I would never have had without this. I'm not at that travel level yet, but like I'm, I'm gonna get there one day. So this just inspired me to go to go where to go next. Um, in terms of Eat Famous Brain, what is, is there some stuff that you would like to do that you haven't yet? And now that you have a little bit more time, you want to do it with this brand? Like, I know that it's such a big brand already, but is there somewhere, it, what's the direction you want to take this brand to? So what I would love 
are two things. The passport that you did, that that kind of thing showed me that like, you know, there's bigger value than, and not that, you know, creating a desire for people to want to go places and try things out um, and experience them. Not that that's not like great and rewarding on its own, but like you did something that provided even extra value. So you're not just showing people like what you like or what's good. You're you're allowing them to have like an easier time to do it, a more rewarding time to do it. Uh, you're helping the restaurants get traffic in just another way than aside from just making people aware. So understanding that, you know, there's opportunity to um, enhance people's experience off of the platform. I think that's really, really cool. And then stuff like this, I would love for Eat Famous to have a branch or a body that deals with um, you know, it would probably look close to like an agency. Uh, again, <laughs> something else that you've done. But I mean, like having like a hub um, that would be able to like pair people with opportunities. And also too, like I had a million, why I, I'm very open to like answering people's questions when they hit me up is I had a million questions when we started and there was, it was like the wild west at first. Like there was no rules. Like a restaurant would say, okay, how much, uh, do you charge for like some photos or a video? And at first you're like, once you get past the fact that they're actually willing to pay you to do this, you're like, what do I charge? Like that you can Google that a couple of years ago because nobody was doing it. The first couple um, requests that I got for people to pay to have their brands featured on Eat Famous, I deleted the emails. I thought it was a joke or a scam. Like I, because at that time nobody was doing that. So it felt weird to me. And I was like, oh, I don't trust it. And then it happened a couple more times. And then I was like, no, I'm an, I'm an artist. I'm, I'm doing pure content. I'm not going to insult my fans by selling to them. Because um, that was a slippery slope at first, too. There's a story, and I don't know if it's like urban legend, but I think, it, you know, uh, infatuation. Like, when I started, like, that was probably, like, the first account that was, like, over 500,000 and they, you know, like had like, like massive events and everything like that. And then I heard that, and from a reliable source, I, I think it did happen that they were either at a million followers or approaching a million followers. And they did like a Budweiser ad for the Super Bowl. This is like, again, five, six years ago. And I heard they lost like 175,000 followers that day. What? that day and like the comments were just like you're a sellout we hate you da, 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 da. and i remember that terrified me for a while so i early on um you know I, I would take work from like a mom and pop shop or a brand that was like a little smaller and though <laughs> but like i mean you know like i've i've worked with mcdonald's for years and i mean i eat mcdonald's so there's no shame in that but i remember like it did give me pause at first because i was like I know the type of uh, the aesthetic of the food and the, the view uh, and the perception of the spots that I was um, highlighting. And like, how do I do that with like this iconic brand who some people could be a little skeptical, skeptical, skeptical of, even though we know everybody eats it. Well, I know you don't, but, um, <laughs> but you know, but I mean like there, people would like, I was like, Oh man, are people going to hate on it just to hate on it? Like, how do I put like the eat famous spin? on a brand that's like very structured and knows exactly what they're doing. And there's a very, very like clear 
and like, you know, I don't want to say rigid, but a very clear and like strict way that they want things presented. What I wanted to say about this was just, I don't get too high off the highs and I don't get too low off the lows. Like, right. Right. And that's being saying with people like you, um, I get, and I'm sure you get the stewards. I get people that are like, yo, don't sell out. Why are you doing pizza? pizza? Yeah. Why are you doing this? And I think it's just more to basically say like, Hey, like, how like you everyone's not goal but like a good thing is to get a global brand out there so when you're working with companies like mcdonald's and the raptors and american express like that puts you on the map on another side i remember when yeah. i started this like pizza pizza reached out to me and it was like hey let's do this thing and i was like sure like and i was right away i was like they're like how much you charge i was like oh i have no idea like that's you, right i just don't know like and i was just like hey it's uh 50 bucks like that's what i just assumed, right so Anyways, with that, working with brands like that, it helped me acquire new, more local restaurants and different businesses like that. So, um, but with the whole thing with, um, like, like I said, I personally don't eat McDonald's, but there's also some stuff like I'm a, I'm a Wendy's guys, like I'll eat right. Wendy's. Um, and people like, I get comments that were like, yo, don't sell yourself. Like, why are you selling these places? It's that. So like, I personally have kept it really local, but like, um, now changing it and how you were saying, like, you just want to um, in, increase like you're like we we're talking about doing different stuff with e famous. Um, same thing with me. It's like yo, I want to start working with brands where I can stay at home and people send me stuff and I do a lot of like un like unraveling whatever doing stuff like that or creating content at home or whatever it is. Um, so like just to sum it up is like I don't personally get too high off the compliments and I don't get too low off insults because i think at the end of the day i know i'm doing something right and if i could do it i, I always like i don't actually see this to anyone but like uh, it's so funny when people are like hey you should try doing this and you should try doing that and then i'm just like hey how about you spend the last three years creating an account and then do that yourself like right. like and then and again that's something i would never actually say to anyone because like i'm not that type of person but at the end of the day it is what it is like that's what it is. And I, I, I can only imagine how many people come to you about, you should try this or how many people come to you with business opportunities because they want that account you have. Right. So it, it's a, so, it's a weird, weird world, weird influencer life. You never signed up for all this stuff, but it just, all this stuff just came with it. So. Yeah. Oh, actually now I remember what we were talking about, how I got to McDonald's. So you were asking me uh, like where I'd like to see Eat Famous or if there's any other things. So I was talking about having like an agency and also like a hub to answer questions because when I was first approached by, um, you know, brands to do work with, I had no idea like what to charge. Like I didn't know what a day rate was for people that wanted me on set. And I, I did some things ridiculously cheap because I was like, I didn't want to scare people away, right? But now I would tell somebody like, if you're getting, I mean, you don't want to be crazy, like have a, a fair understanding and self-assessment of what you think your time and your, your, your work is worth. But like if a company and just learning business, like so if a company reaches out to you, um, pitch high. If it's, if it's like, because first off, a lot of these big brands have budget. They have budget. And they will negotiate. Like if it's too high, they'll try to come down. So like, don't sell yourself short. I used to be terrified. And I, I would, I, I think I said earlier, I'm not like a high anxiety or worry person. I'm pretty, pretty chill most of the times. So but I remember some of the biggest anxiety I had came around quoting because my biggest nightmare was quoting too high that I would scare off like a big potential customer or quoting too low 
where I would feel like I'm shorting myself and not getting proper value. And it, it, it caused a lot of stress and there's still no formula or no perfect, um, no perfect uh, equation for, you know, uh, charging. But if I could create a space that we can have these kind of discussions as creatives, that eliminates um, some of the worry and the questions that people have, I think that's, that's definitely something I want to do. I read this article about influencer marketing, and that's something that we've started taking advantage of and just kind of going into that because influencer marketing is so underpriced and exactly what you said is because people don't know what to charge. People don't have an idea because there's no real guideline to influencer marketing. It's something so fresh. Like you did it seven years ago. So, and I can only imagine how fresh it was then where you had no idea. At least now we have like, there's websites where it's like, um, check how much engagement you have compared to follow it, blah, blah, whatever it is. But there's still no real influencer guideline where it's like, um, and then you said you, I like the example you used where it's like a wild, wild west where people are doing whatever they want as an influencer. Yep. And there's things that, again, there's laws behind these things and there's different stuff that people don't even realize. And it's like, Hey, like who's, who's going to be that person that's going to step up and say, this is the how influencers need to go this is the standard right and every every industry has some sort of standard where it's like we are that person that you go through us we tell you the rules and the regulations for this and this and this and i don't see one for influencer marketing but yeah. i think that's a big thing i think that's a possible opportunity that i hope will arise maybe through e famous brand maybe you're the guy who makes that standard for every blogger and and doesn't have to just be food it could really be a different variety of industries right so um i have a question and i wanted to end on this because i know a lot of people are in the same situation or can relate to this the most is you are pretty in shape i'm gonna say like you're not obese like you're pretty like slimmed down and you eat at all these amazing restaurants what is the secret oh man so you know what's crazy is um I mean, it's been a long time now, but I want to say over 10 years ago, close to 15, um, I had like bad struggles for weight. So I'm saying like 15 years ago and then for like how many years before that, like was well overweight before I started doing anything that had to do with like food or social media, being physically out in front of people a lot and also consuming copious amounts of like very indulgent food. Uh, and I turned my life around prior to um, to starting Eat Famous. And then, you know, within that first year of getting a lot of invites and having to be everywhere, I started to not gain a ton of weight, but I remember thinking like I had had years of like struggle and, you know, fought to get myself uh, healthy and in shape. And I, I didn't want to go back there, but it was like, I didn't want to fight against this thing that was um, providing opportunity and success and fun. So it was like, how do I balance what I'm doing in terms of like going to restaurants? Um, and again, you, if anyone that has seen Eat Famous knows, like we're talking, you know, burgers with six patties and like deep dish pizzas and, and fried stuff and crazy desserts. So it's not necessarily the recipe for, you know, six packs and, and biceps or whatever. So for me, um, something that I, well, not recently, cause I've been doing it for a couple of years, but intermittent fasting was a very, very big thing for me. And then also to, um, 
just letting people know that again, like it, it's Instagram. So if I post something and I'm, I'm having it, then I, I've eaten it. I, I'm very against food waste um, because I mean, there's too many people that go without first off to be wasting food. So if you've seen it on my account, then I've, I've eaten it or there's a, there's friends there that are going to help eat it or it's coming home or, you know, you may find somebody in need who, who will appreciate it and take it. But like, I don't waste food, but um, I mean, my account is set up in a way that you would think that I'm, I'm going crazy every day. And that's definitely not the case. So when I'm not out at home, it's, it's very boring. We're talking salads, smoothies, you know, fruits. Uh, I'm a big advocate for, for the gym. Although to be honest, like during this COVID thing, I've, I've definitely been doing a lot of like stress slash comfort couch eating so I, i've got to kind of get back into a fitness routine in my gym which is right on my floor and my condo has been closed for a couple weeks so trying to figure out a routine inside the home but um yeah intermittent fasting is a, is is not what i did to lose weight years ago but um it definitely has been something i've been doing for about three years now because um i would have definitely been heading back down that road so um you know when i'm when i'm home and you know the camera's not out then i'm I'm eating as healthy as possible and again yeah I f and i do uh i do like try to do like two 24-hour fasts um a week so but it would be like i would have to stay lunch tuesday at 12 and then not again eat again till wednesday at 12. so like one or two 24-hour fasts and one like low carb like 800 to a thousand carb days as well within there and then the rest of it you know um that's cool um i didn't i never when you said 24 hour fast i'm like holy but when you put it down where it's like you have a meal, meal at 12 and you just go the next yeah. day, then i doesn't sound that hard so i do that yeah. i do intermittent fasting as well um my window started at eight hours um it's gone down to like six ish now um but because of COVID-19 and as at the end of the day, it's an excuse. I've kind of just thrown that out of there. Um, why I had asked this was I feel like so many people now are at home. I, even me, I found myself for the first couple of weeks, gym was closed. There was nothing to do at home and I was just eating more. I felt like I was eating more than I was when I was at restaurants. So um, having these, this advice for the fasting and just doing whatever it is that they need to do. It's like uh, behind the scenes stuff. And I was so funny when you were saying that, I'm like, I relate so hard because we used to do like one or two restaurants a week. But remember, we have content in the archive. So it looks like we're eating every single day and people right. see me and they're like, how are you still so skinny? Like, how do you still have like skinny arms and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I don't eat that much. And when I am not eating at restaurants, like I'm on, I'm juicing, I'm um, eating salads, I'm limiting my carb intakes. Like there's a lot to this. And um, I'm not, again, I'm not bashing any bloggers, but like, I think some bloggers forget about that, that you need that balance because, uh, and, and everyone's put on weight. I put on weight since I started this too, but mm -hmm. you got to remember like health is first and COVID-19 has made us aware of that as well. You got to remember health, health is wealth. You don't, what's the point of one having the best Instagram pics when you're just overweight and you can't walk up a flight of stairs. So um, I hope that everyone is listening, who's is listening that, I think balance is key when it comes to eating out at restaurants, when it comes to just living a better life. Um, some final thoughts I have for you, and this is just hypothetical. And it's always like, people always wonder like, what if, right? So if you knew coronavirus was coming, like if 
some if the government called you and was like, Mr. Rye Hanks, COVID-19 is coming December, it's gonna do this, as of March, this is what's gonna happen. How would you have prepared for it or what would you have done to offset some of the challenges you're now facing? Um, I would have bought stock in whoever makes Purell <laughs> and Lysol. Uh, I have four Raptor games that uh, I didn't get to go to, so I would have bought tickets for earlier games. No, seriously though, wow, that's, um, that's a good question. What would I have done differently? Um, honestly, this is gonna sound like super, super corny. Uh, I would have chilled with my mom more. I would have seen my friends more. Um, you know, the only, aside from my, like my favorite restaurants and sports, which I love, like the only thing I'm really, I'm yeah, like, you know, we're, we're putting steps in place and we have to be more cautious and, at first it's a little tedious or you get a little bit neurotic with cleaning like excessively, but I mean, yeah, just, um, gotten that time in with people. Um, and I mean, with that said though, I think we're, we're still super blessed to be like, we're doing this right now. A couple of years ago, it would not be this. Like we couldn't have had this video conversation. I, you know, I, I can still see pretty much everybody that I, that I want to see and not to minimize the effects of what's going on, not to negate anybody's like fears or stress over it. But I mean, you know, th there, there are people, and I'm not talking about individuals, I'm talking about communities and countries and nationalities, what have you, that the day before COVID-19, life was already really tough. And when this gets all cleared and sorted away, life is still gonna be incredibly tough for certain people. So I, I'm not trying to make anybody feel like, you know, that, the the anxiousness or the suffering or especially when we're talking you know deaths and stress on people I'm not taking away from any of that but we live in a world where um you know i guess here being in north america you know we're extremely privileged in for the most part and i'm i mean you know i i have, I have a young daughter so i have no choice but to believe that we're going to be absolutely fine with some changes of course but uh you know, talk to somebody in, in Syria, talk to like, you know, Sikhs who are being murdered. Like there's people that like masks and toilet paper are the furthest from their concern. And that, that's just real. You know, um, as humans, we deal with what's right in front of us. Um, you know, you're more likely to donate to a cause of, of a family member or someone you know has been affected to it. So I'm not, and I've, I, I, I operate in generally the same manner. But you know, there are uh, we're 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 in the best time to be going through something like this. Uh, there's never been a time with smarter people. There's never been a time to still have a sense of normalcy. So I mean, aside from getting some time in uh, with those closest to me and probably stockpiling my favorite snacks, like I don't know if I would have done a ton different to be honest, man. You just you gotta live because. Again, we're we're highly, we're highly, highly blessed. You know, as as bad as this is, um, and I mean, what's being asked of most of us is is pretty simple. You know, stay home, wash your hands. Like these are are, are and I know you know we need connection, and you, like you can't just flip someone's life upside down and expect them to just deal with it and accept it. I'm you know not by any means like saying that like, you know, process or routine hasn't been disrupted. And there's people that live alone and there's people that had great 
big things come up that have been, you know, kind of put on pause. So I understand people's anxiousness and nervousness around it. But again, uh, aside from, you know, those frontline workers who are working tirelessly to keep us uh, safe and those essential workers who, ironically, people would say never deserved minimum wage or minimum wage is too high. I really hope we, these are the things I'm thinking about, like rethinking, you know, these jobs that a lot of us scoff at, right? Or don't respect the people that are doing them. Like these people that are deemed essential that were disposable before. So I'm not having that rough of a, of a time, to be honest. And that's no disrespect to anybody who's, who's suffering. Um, my heart goes out to everybody who's affected. Um, you know, especially anybody who's lost anybody. That's first and foremost. But um, yeah, I can't say I would do a ton different, to be honest. That's good. And um, it's actually a blessing for you, for sure. And I think I think over everything, it's just being appreciative of the situation we're in. Like I was talking to a buddy about this and um, like you said, you said it yourself, the, all the government is asking us is to stay at home, is to wash our hands. They're not telling us to suit up and get ready for war. Our life is not in danger. You, The government has said, stay home and you will be safe. And that is the only thing that they have said. So um, just being appreciative that we're not in these third world countries, that we're not um, in a situation where we're actually fearful for our lives. Um, the government's even helping us out with financials at this time. So there's a lot to be appreciative for. And I think you just nailed everything about that. Um, once again, this is a moment and, and you've kind of said it. And I was like, should I even ask him this at the end or whatever? But I, I'm going to give you the opportunity. So let's just say the lights are out. The lights are down. You're on the stage. You have a mic in your hand. Spotlight's on you. You have basically a minute to talk about whatever you want to talk about, you can give some assurances to people. You could talk about your brand. You could talk. The floor is yours. Essentially. This is that moment for you. Okay. I'm going to talk about restaurants, most specifically independent mom and pop, uh, one, two, three location, you know, uh, knock your socks off with their service and their original, uh, offering type, restaurants that uh, I wouldn't be here talking to you without them. Um, they're very indicative of what is so great about the city. People always say that, like, you know, Toronto and the GTA and Canada for all intents and purposes, the beautiful thing about us is multiculturalism. And that's that that's true although we've got a ways to go in terms of you know complete equality and equity across the board uh we know that representation here is definitely a lot better than it is in other places and i always firmly believe that like the uh one of the easiest bridges to cross into understanding accepting even just being curious about a different culture or a different way of life is through food so you know, we're, we're, we're at, a, at a time where we don't want to risk having too many spots go away, places that might be, you know, someone's only or at least first, um, you know, experience with somebody from whatever country or culture. A lot of times, you know, family legacies are built on, on restaurants. There's a lot of there aren't as many barriers to access. If you can have the funds, you know, to, and you can find a space, a lot of times, you know, like 
you don't need a lot of family businesses and legacies and just whatever are built on, you know, starting a restaurant, right? So I, I, I implore people to stay abreast of what's going on, find out uh, what organizations are speaking to government because they're, that industry, um, I mean, we're close to already a million people have been, you know, affected in terms of having job loss through this industry. Like they're hanging on by a thread and it's the fabric of of the city it's the fabric of the country and i really want to see as many of them uh survive not for my own interest in terms of like posting or having clients but i know that like it's just it's integral to like the way we are there's no city i'd rather be in to be honest than here you know for as much as i said about you know us being blessed it's definitely still a scary time but i feel like if there's a if there's a city or a country that can get this thing right it's it's us and here so like let's try to get to the end with as many of us still standing as possible and for me i think the restaurant community it's been incredibly gracious to me and i think it, it does beautiful things for relationships and relations between all different kinds of peoples and i, I want them to thrive I mean, I want everyone to be okay at the end of this, but you know, if I could be an advocate for for local and independent restaurants, and yeah, that's that's what I'll say. I think just to sum that up, it's support local and just be there to help out. I don't want to say too much after this because I want people to sit on what you just said and really have that resonate with them, and hopefully that affects a couple people and and makes them um, support and just kind of build that and I love what you said about Toronto about how if it's one city in the world it's us so I just want to say once again thank you so much for coming on here thank you to everyone that tuned in to this episode I highly recommend you connect with Ryan um, talk to him about everything we talked about today talk to him about social media tips and strategies talk to him about content creation uh, talk to him just about life and all the beautiful things in it Talk to him about something, building relationships. I think that's something that he has a good experience on as well. I encourage you guys all to engage with in the comments, our DMs, share this with your friends because I think a lot of people can get some really great gems from the conversations we just had. Ryan doesn't make any money off this. I don't make any money off this. This is just us trying to help our communities out. How you can pay it forward is by engaging with this, by sharing this with, to someone that really needs to hear this right now. Until then, stay safe, take care of yourself and the ones around you, and we'll talk soon.